All right. Welcome, everyone, to the SimCast episode 32, Solidarity. I have my one guest here today, Daedalus, the Ash and Herald. Hey, Daedalus. Howdy, y'all. So first, I want to give a shout out to some of my Patreon uh, supporters. I've got a couple more that uh, joined the club or the crusade this week. Um, I got T Elf and Heather. Thank you so much for your Patreon subscriptions and support, everybody. Um, the Patreon group is growing now. Um, we got more perks. So if you want to support the Simcast and all of my other stuff and things, feel free to check the link down below in the description um, or check Twitch and, and find out how you can do that. Um, it would be greatly appreciated. Not expected, but I do appreciate my Patreon supporters. Um, so let's get started today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit, I think, first about some of the announcements that came to pass here at uh, the um, Ashes of Creation live stream here recently. Um, first of all, uh, the one thing, and I, I did say on my most recent video, it's a video called uh, Ashes of Creation, the, the game is not a lie. And in that video, I outlined uh, some of my concerns uh, and just tried to arrest a lot of people's concerns that the game is becoming a Battle Royale game because I kept getting so many different comments on videos and stuff that were basically going it's a br now it's a br now it's a br now i'm like no it's not there's a testing environment that's a br it is going to be a standalone uh project we all knew this was going to happen we knew there were going to be other games in the ashes of creation universe um but i guess before i kind of share too much I, i'm curious daedalus uh or some of your thoughts about the announcements of that what, what do you think about that well i mean i'm you know being part of the content creator program obviously get you know some insight into the developer's perspective um i you know i personally i, I realize what they're doing what they're doing um having servers available is you know definitely there's an expense there um but i do trust that the decisions they're making are putting us um into a kind of, i would say good foundation to be able to enjoy a very well put together mmo um, they're spending a good bit of time testing. They're developing a lot um, behind the scenes that we haven't seen yet, and they're building their pipeline. And I think all of this really feeds what their ultimate goal is, is creating an MMO. I just think perception-wise, um, I think there there is a lot of confusion still um, around the BR mode being a, such a big focus. Um, especially now with it being a standalone product, um, in addition to a testing ground, I think it's blurring the lines. I think the sooner we can get to some MMO pieces, the better. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that on the heels of all these announcements that were focused on Ashes Apocalypse, that we are getting something this week that is a complete MMO walkthrough, um, at least in terms of what they've done to date so they can really demonstrate to the backers to the fans to the people that are just learning about ashes of creation that there is an mmo behind all of this other work that is visible right now yeah i think uh <clears throat> i have to i have to address one thing that you know it was a, it was a bit of a concern i was i was worried that i think that my my concern with them monetizing the battle royale version significantly prior to the MMORPG's launch was that 
you know, if you're investing so much in this and you're starting to produce and, and trying to really monetize this, then I, my concern is, well, what are you taking away from the MMORPG? I, from, from one perspective, I, I see where they're coming from on, you know, this, uh, we had some, you know, we want to do something. We want to make these, we really want to push numbers. We need more, uh, server, uh, what do you call it? Um, excuse me. I had to clear my uh, voice. Capacity. Yeah. Capacity. Thank you. Had to, uh, need more capacity for more users so we can really push the envelope and I can respect that. And I can understand having to come and monetize that. Um, you know, I, at first I really wasn't sure how I felt about it. And I think that I actually had some problems with it. And, uh, because my concern was that if you start to focus on this, then the, the ultimate dream of the MMORPG might be left, you know, off to the side. And now are we just really focusing on money but at the same time, I recognize that a battle royale, I had to think about it. And I'm like, a battle royale doesn't take them really a whole lot. Um, they are getting to test a lot of things that will be in the MMORPG. And so they're really, this is still, and I also am recognizing one other important thing. This is still technically a pre-alpha stage. We're not right. actually to alpha yet. Because the people that were like, well, you know, I'm an alpha one backer. Uh, when, you know, when do I get to start playing the open world MMORPG as an alpha one backer? Well, when alpha one comes out, right? So that's why they weren't the first ones to get to test this game mode because it went to other people first, the higher Kickstarter tiers initially. Um, Mm -hmm. and so recognizing that this is technically a testing environment for ashes of creation, ashes of creation stuff and things, the MMORPG, it's also technically a pre alpha testing environment. So, you could do whatever you want with that. Right. Like, we still wouldn't see a lot of this stuff. All the stuff we're still testing and playing with, like you wouldn't see from a general studio until Alpha 1, and Alpha 1 would be further along this. So I'm trying to keep it into perspective and recognize they can kind of do whatever they want with this. I mean, this technically isn't, ta- you know what I mean? I mean, how much is it really pulling mm-hmm. from what they funded for the development of the MMORPG? I mean... That's super questionable. I think that is the primary arguing point people would have for mm-hmm. whether this was not a good choice to do. Because if your arguing point is, well, did the funds we put into the MMORPG, are they going to this? And if so, how much of that is not really honoring your original statement? So there's that perspective. The other perspective is... Well, if this is an early iteration testing environment and technically it still is testing the MMORPG world, does it really matter? Because technically, if they funded the game's development and this is the testing environment they've chosen and they're still collecting the data and meeting the deadlines, I think that's the most important part. The MMORPG deadlines are still met. Who who cares? Who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, my, my point of view, and there's kind of a few things, is that and my initial reaction... I'll be honest, wasn't so positive. Um, kind of the season pass announcement, mm-hmm. the um, kind of the BR focus. And and again, right, that my initial gut reaction was not, I would say was not positive. But then I kind of, like you said, I put it into perspective. I mean, I met the team at PAX um, earlier this year. Um, I kind of, heard what they've said in in terms of what they're doing right now 
is really building their pipelines, right? Building yeah. their pipelines for the art, building their pipelines for questing. So once you kind of have that in place, you're going to be able to pump out content clearly. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of work in building that pipeline to make sure, you know, once you get to that point where you're turning that switch on for content, you've got all that going. And I'm familiar with their style of project management, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very agile thing. You've got sprints, you do, you know, you have kind of particular goals for different sprints, which is kind of just not to get like too technical here, right. but you have a, a few weeks of time where you have some goals. Your focus is only work those goals and then anything that you don't make in those goals, right? You kind of look at what you've got left to do and you continue to kind of, you know, build on that. But the, the point is you have a, a specific set of goals you need to do in a short period of time. Right. And so it's a way of working very quickly. Right. And that's maybe not something that other development houses have done. They've also mm -hmm. not as a general rule had their backers or fans, et cetera, being involved in this early process. Like you said, they can do whatever they want in their tech demo test environment, right? right. Yep. They've chosen to do a BR mode because it's easy for them to get data, you know? And again, I, from, from a business perspective, I get why they've done it. I just think right. the main issue people are having that maybe aren't as familiar with how development goes or, you know, generally just kind of focusing on um, a more negative spin has been, we haven't really seen a lot of what's going on. And, and I think there's a perception that because of what's happening in the industry, right? We, I mean, we see it, in Fallout 76, we oh, see God. it in a lot of the stuff the EA has done, right, um, and maybe continues to do, is there's not a high level of trust in development teams no, right now, yeah. most of them. I mean, there are some that are, like, you know, stand out as not necessarily doing shady things, right? CD Projekt Red comes to mind. Mm -hmm. um, but but I think there is a general kind of skepticism in the uh, in as far as gaming gamers are concerned, I have mm -hmm. a feeling because of all this focus and there hasn't been a lot of communication on that other piece, right? The piece everybody really, you know, put their money into to back. Yeah. That's going to happen. And and I think to me, that was the misstep that Intrepid yeah. did right in terms of communication is things happen quickly. And I know Steven and team have the best intentions. I think the, the PR piece of it probably could use some work now the reality is they're they're making up for it right they're coming back and saying hey we're gonna we're gonna show you what we've been working on in the mmo and i and i have confidence they're going to show us something of substance right yeah. in the mmo they've kind of shown it before at pax and people some have you know myself included right sometimes have a short-term memory to say okay we did see mmo stuff before we've seen them do it now we just need to make that be the the narrative as opposed to the BR mode, the monetization piece. Because again, from a business perspective, it makes sense, right? They have a set of funds they've collected to focus and work the MMO. Now they're, you know, putting servers out there to host a testing ground and mm -hmm. they, you know, they would like to make sure they maintain a certain budget so they can deliver what you know, they've been asked to. And that means, right, selling cosmetics, right, which has nothing to do with the BR mode. But go. now they're saying, okay, they need a little more 
to be able to kind of sustain the pace that they're doing and deliver their MMO. So I get it, right? Yeah. All this is all optional, right? They're not saying, hey, we can't make the MMO if we don't get this, you know, this money. It's all optional, but it is also a way for them to kind of build a nest egg, which again, I get from a business perspective. I just think the PR piece is maybe where they need some work. I right? agree. I agree um, with and, that. and getting more content out there for the MMO, right? And I'm hoping, yeah. right, with all the hires they talked about, that in the next month, we're going to see a 180, right? In terms of less focus on the BR, you know, you'll have kind of new modes they're testing, right, that are more MMO related. Mm-hmm. You'll also see more dev blogs on what they're working on with the MMO. I think that's the way they can change the narrative, right? I agree. And, you know, it's one thing I was going to, that was going to be my follow-up point too, before you gave your feedback was, you know, if I said, you know, they're monetizing the BR. So who cares? Like my, here's why I say who cares? No one cared. Or no, I say no one. The majority were more excited than annoyed about the fact that we're monthly cosmetics. More people that I've talked to are looking forward to to getting them. They talk about getting them all. I'll admit this month was the first month where I was like, kind of do want all that. I yeah. even told Steven that. I was like, dude, I, this is like the first month where I'm like kind of going, I actually would maybe get everything here. And I did. I did. And it was like 100-ish, I think, total, right? I'm going to talk about the money. Yeah, it's 100 15 usually. 112, yeah. 15. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was 115. And so, you know, I did that. And I'm, I recognize that's an investment, right? But like... Me as one individual, I mean, the BR is significantly less of an investment. Mm-hmm. And if we don't care about the cosmetics, who cares, dude? They're, you're talking $10 for a battle pass for 10 weeks for this thing yeah, where people it, can test the shit out exactly. of it and collect data. I mean, this is just making the MMO better. I don't see how it's actually hurting it. I had to think about it, though. I had to really think about it and take a, yeah. a broader scope at everything. Look at Look at everything with a broader scope and think to myself – like logically is this really betraying our trust and the answer i have is no because they're not actually doing anything harmful to the morpg but i can understand and i agree the pr perspective this is where a community manager is very important and we haven't had one and they have one we haven't announced two i'm hoping and i understand it's a lady i hope she rocks it I hope she rocks it. I hope they're doing really good with the blogs. I'm hoping the website gets updated soon. I'm hoping that they're just keeping communication, you know, going on the, on the, on the forums, on, not even just forums, really on social media. That's a big thing, like marketing, marketing, marketing. And from what I understand, this individual is a rock star. And if they are, hell yeah, we've been needing it. We've we've talked about it for a very long time. Yep. With that being said. Long drawn out explanation of us for almost 15 minutes of saying this is our thoughts on the subject. I really hope that, you know, I'm just asking everybody really take a moment to think about it. I thought about it. I tried to be objective about it. That's my conclusion. It sounds like Daedalus and I have a pretty good idea and have same kind of mindset on this. I'm hoping that kind of resonates for people. Don't let this be the reason that you go, oh, my God, uh, you know, look at them, another company. No, not really. Not really. Think about it. Look at the facts. It's it's not that. It's not what we think. Okay. So that being said, I want to say one more thing about testing. I was rocking it this weekend. I was obliterating the shit out of people. I had some crazy kill streaks <laughs> going. You guys have been cleaning it up. Way to go. There's one thing I'm still not sure about. 
I am. It's driving me nuts. I feel like the the melee combat's definitely a lot better. I mean, you know, people are like, "You had so much better." I was like, "No, I think the game just got cleaned up more." Is what it is. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out how the the range weapons are hitting people because I can't tell if it there's like actual physics to it or if it's just it feels off. Like the the crossbow I was using didn't seem to land like i felt like it should you know is it like hit scan is it physics i it's driving me nuts right now because yeah, I, I can't I, figure I it out agree with you there yeah i mean it just it, it's it's feeling a little off for me but i kind of chalk at this point i've chalked it up to my lack of skill and my lack of like action combat experience i mean i've had more cab target i mean i've done some fps in the past not recently but it's generally been more along the lines of a tab target so i'm i'm interested to see once they start pulling in the hybrid piece of it if it balances itself out mm-hmm. or like to your point we get a little more information on how that's all working and as they tweak it i mean the good thing is is you know we're we're able to provide a lot of data with this test mode right. on the action combat. So, um, you know, it, it would be good to kind of get a little bit more under the hood. And I'm hoping that in one of the live streams in the near future, we kind of dig into that a little bit more. Right. And maybe that's, you know, a question we can ask or, you know, anyone that's listening can ask, because that's something that I think as it opens up into like an open beta situation, um, you're going to get a lot more data there and hopefully, you know, people will understand it a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. from that perspective, it, we might get a better feel for what the end game is, you know, no pun intended um, for the action combat side of it. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I just, I just, yeah, I just feel like it's important to reinforce that this is a, I've, I know they've got the MMORPG showcase coming up. I, I do feel like they've got to deliver on this. Mm. I feel that they really need to be able to sell the MMORPG world with this showcase. And I think that if they don't deliver on this, people are going to be upset because they yeah. showcased some of the MMORPG world briefly and showing, you know, they did it on England's last live stream for a short amount of time. It was that day I went by the studio. It was that day. They they showcased it briefly and it looked good. I would have liked to have seen more of it. I would have liked to have seen more group dynamics, not just what they showcased, which was the action combat skills in the MORPG setting. So I'm I think they really got to deliver. Not I don't think they have to deliver necessarily that hybridization system yet for the combat. I feel like they need to show people that real vibe of an MMORPG immersive world that has improved since alpha zero and just anything and everything MMORPG oriented. People need to see something significant. How I can, what I would gauge as significant, I think is totally another question and another time for that. But with that being said, let's, let's move into our discussion on, on solidarity. Okay. So what is solidarity? That is unity and goals, right? Essentially unity and individuals and their goals. So that is what the social systems are about in Ashes of Creation. And we're going to talk about this for a dramatically long period of time, but I do want to talk about kind of what is what is a what is a social organization, okay? Well, they define it here on the wiki, and we're going to be referring to the wiki a bit 
on and off here. At least I will. So what are social organizations in Ashes of Creation? Social organizations are ways for players to interact with the world around them in different in a different manner. Uh, they are about creating micro communities within the game, right? So some examples of these organizations are a Scholar's Academy, which we've seen in a lot of games like a Mage's Guild in ESO, if you know that game. You see these in a lot of different games. Thieves Guild, not a big surprise. You hear that one also in the Elder Scrolls uh, series. Elder Scrolls Online is MMORPG specifically. Trader's Company. Now, they've talked about there being different perks and things like that. Um, you know, so the different type of organizations, uh, this is the gist of what they've outlined so far. They haven't gone into any any deep uh, explanations other than, you know, there will be progression to them. Um, aside from progression, there will be benefits, right? Like they've talked about augmentation. Uh, so with all that being said, like what are, what are from, from your perspective, right, uh, Daedalus, what would you say are reasons it, that pledging or joining social organizations such as these in a game is important and beneficial? Uh, I would say kind of for a few things. I mean, they've talked about rewards you can get through um, your affiliation with these organizations, and that mm -hmm. might be, you know, ways to progress your character that aren't necessarily leveling-based, which I think is great. I think one of the things that I would say um, has caused me to kind of have an MMO burnout in some sense has mm -hmm. been that level grind and that focus on, you just need to get to max level and, you know, that that's the end game, you know. And then after that, all you're doing is kind of repeating the same content over and over. Right. So I like the, I, to me, a reward for this is just being able to progress your your um, your character in ways other than leveling. So that might be, you know, reputation that isn't necessarily a grind. You have maybe new quests that you can do, not necessarily dailies, but variety of different kinds of quests augmentations for your character titles cosmetics i mean those to me there's all ways people can quote unquote collect i think that to me would be a great way to build um not only kind of personally your character progress your character but also um as a way to feed other activities that you're doing too so you know for example if you're a member of the scholars academy it might open up some sort of interaction with the Thieves Guild, right? And, and open up more interesting narrative for you as a character, your personal story. So to me, there's kind of a, a level of achievement, a level of collection, and also a level of, in a sense, RP for your character that I, you know, opening up the narrative a little bit more and mm -hmm. connecting all the different pieces and parts in the world. I think that, you know, the discovery they've talked about Often again, um, you know, I think those would be ways for me to like really say, hey, that would make this system worthwhile in Ashes of Creation. Yeah, I think that the expanding the narrative to me is probably, you know, what resonates the most out of everything you said, because for me, the expanding the narrative is just, you know, you get it's so easy in MMORPGs, especially I feel like you're really bottlenecked into having just this grind forward and uh, for for me, it's those types of social structures and systems in the games that really create this uh, almost like a sidestep from your primary narrative for your character where you can kind of step away from maybe that feeling of a grind or 
that story that you've been really following along with and taking a break and kind of doing something else that's, you know, potentially equally as compelling of a story or um, offers you some other cool perk that can benefit you along the way. And, um, you know, progression is one of those things. And when they talked about progression, uh, they talked about, you know, sabotage, espionage, intrigue. And so they've got the three, you know, you got the Scholars Academy, which they've talked about has, you know, universities and, you know, uh, buildings like that, that, you know, they are unlocked in scientific nodes. So we know that, you know, these particular types of uh, social systems are going to be tied to node types as well. And one right. thing that's interesting about that is, you know, hypothetically, we take a node down, like, and break it down somehow. We all decide, you know, some services, we don't want this node here. We want something else to take over as another Petropolis or something. So they go and they siege it, take it out. And then, you know, you have this other node that sprouts up. So now that changes, like, those social uh, universities, for example, academies, thieves, guilds, those things that once you knew were in a specific spot, they may not exist there anymore. Now maybe you had two on a on the world map and you only have one or something. So to me, that makes it really interesting because as opposed to, we'll use the Elder Scrolls Online as an example because it's when I go to the Elder Scrolls in general has always had the the Mages Guild and the Thieves Guild. Those are two. And the Dark Brotherhood, which is like an assassination guild. Um, so, you know, in that game in particular, like, you know, it's very static. Like your quest line is very straightforward it sends you you know uh, dark brotherhood for example you kill 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 you have goals on who to kill you have these targets to kill and eventually you get to a point where well the bad bitch now and i've killed everybody i can kill and there's not really a whole lot else to do now i'm just kind of here there's not much that changes about it in other scrolls online you've got daily quests and i'm gonna, about that i know jealous yeah. from from the ashes he's like oh i love daily quests i'm like mm -mm. nope i'm me but that's my play style. Now, for some people, they like that. Um, my thoughts are when you've got these social structures in place and you know the like, well, the Thieves Guild was here in this zone today. It could be gone tomorrow. It could be gone. And, it, you know, now we've only got one to go to. And what do they offer? I think, I think for me, what can keep those systems really interesting is not only where, you know, are they always going to be there, but... Uh, what what do we get out of it? Is it just going to be a skill tree? Is it just going to be the augments? You know, what more is going to come to it? Uh, what are the what's the way that I'm going to progress? Is it just going to be, you know, I know that they said the progression is going to be accomplished by tasks or quests. I'm going to say a little bit of both would be fantastic. That it's going to be hierarchical in nature for quest lines, right? Um, what what are some of your thoughts as far as you know what are some ways that this can be interesting uh to keep this whole process of progression interesting well i mean i'm like one of those people i mean just just to give some examples of the types of games that i really enjoy and why like i mean obviously you know witcher 3 um you know spider-man for the ps4 are kind of some of the most latest examples of mm -hmm. you know what i enjoy in terms of gaming and the, the thing that i like most about it and makes me savor the games is not necessarily just barreling through the main quest right i know a lot of people like that's what they like to do and i get that um to me it's like trying to find all these pieces and pockets of side quests to do 
and side quests that are meaningful, not those, you know, boring, hey, kill 10 of these rats and then, you know, get me their heads, etc. Mm-hmm. So the, the aspect to me that's going to make the social organizations interesting is, like you said, is is it's going to be a way to enhance your character, but also a way to experience different parts of the narrative. So to me, the way they can make that interesting is giving you some branching quest lines, right, that aren't necessarily, you know, simple one and done things it's kind of following a story another example of a game that i thought did side quests really well did personal story quests really well though there were other issues with the game that i just i didn't like was star wars the old republic one of the most fun things about that game for me um was the fact that i was following a personal story with my mentor with my class right i kind of hope that intrepid captures that feel with the social organizations where you identify with a single social organization which i think is important right it shouldn't be something where i can be a member of all these different organizations and it kind of makes the choice meaningless so i want there to be kind of a trade-off i like that idea I like the idea of it progressing my individual story and my progression. So kind of having a set of interesting things that I'm doing, like, you you know, we talked about before, sabotage, espionage, intrigue, right? Other things that are going to really help me round out my character, not only from a progression standpoint by getting like perks, et cetera, right? But also being able to say, hey, I'm learning more about my identity as a player, my avatar's identity, you know, not necessarily, now I don't necessarily focus as much um, early on, right? I'm As I'm discovering content on the min-max side, I like the idea of just experiencing different stories. That's what mm-hmm. really appealed to me about the Old Republic, appeals right. to me about those other games where you've got side quests that help you progress your character that aren't necessarily related to the main story, but they're still interesting, right? So to me, that's the way it's going to keep me interested and I hope they handle it is in addition to kind of things that are tangible, I would like the idea of variety. Like you said, I mean, I don't want to get to the end game, be, you know, riding around my node on my celestial steed and not have anything Mm -hmm. to do. Right. I want to be able to do something that has meaning, that has impact on the world. Um, So I'm hoping as they've talked about a lot of choices that players make influencing the world, obviously individual choices should matter, but also, you know, you know, like you said is today, my organization might be super successful. I might have, you know, places in multiple nodes, something might happen in the world. And now I need to travel to another node that, is the only last bastion of the scholars academy right because there was you know the thieves guild you know went in and all out war against the scholars academy i mean it's those kind of things that'll i think really um i think really help me not only be interested but also maintain an identity in the world. i think that's really important to the developers is that players identity being able to cater to multiple play styles So kind of having that, I think that in and of itself is going to make it interesting, right? Again, if it's done right, we don't know yet. 
all we can know is what the developers are telling us. But what I'm hearing from the development team right now, it feels like it's going to be interesting because you're going to have that level of variety. It's not just going to be daily quests you grind because, yeah, I'm there with you. That that's <laughs> that just rising at the wall. I'm sorry. You're well over 10 years of that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm good. Thanks. And no, thanks. Especially the no, thanks part. Um, so, you know, one thing that's interesting to me is, so they, they talked about how social organizations are going to be run by NBCs, NPCs, uh, and, and that there will be ranks that members can obtain that are going to grant some skill or some influence rather over the organization. I feel like that's, I feel like that could be very vital to this systems being different because typically when it's like you rank up in a structure like this in a game, you you usually get like, oh, well, I got, I'm the, the most badass mage title or whatever, you know, or I'm the most devious slayer title or something. You know what I mean? Like, like right, right. The high badass of archdom or something. And so you're like, <laughs> you know, running around with your little title going, the high badass is here. Yeah. Like everybody else that grinded this, this, this quest, man. Good job. GG, buddy. All right, Frankie. You know, so it's like, it's, <laughs> so it's like okay i don't want that to be the influence i don't want to get called the badass of nightdom or you know whatever by frankie the right, the mage right. i want to like you know i want it to be like you know and i don't just want it to be like oh you have access to our tier two uh potions or something you know that are exclusive only to the mages of oh shit them or whatever you know, like i yeah, right. like i really want it to be something different like you know Maybe, maybe, you know, based on your class, your primary archetype or whatever, based on your primary archetype and your path, based on your race, like maybe because of earning a certain rank through whatever that hierarchical system we talked about was, like perhaps then we can uh, somehow have access to a quest that based on A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and a few other factors of what your choice has been, you have a specific quest that opens up and perhaps along the way there's some random chance involved in that where some cool opportunity happens. And then that makes this story so much more unique because then it's not just so cookie cutter, same thing we've seen. That makes it very different. The story is different. And with that, I feel like, oh, you guys remember when I went to this quest? Yeah, but how was it for you? Like, like what was that like for you though? Because mine went like this. What did yours go like? Because then it's like that meta story of that alternate yeah, reality exactly. kind of idea. Um, that that's that to me is what would make it really interesting. The lore perspective, I think, is a big part of it. The other part that I'm going to say is probably even more so for me, and I'm not going to lie, this is a theory crafter in me. Give me some tasty augmentation. Like we know that augments right. are going to have a base of like four at minimum, I believe, for class skills. Um, mm -hmm. someone's going to check that shit. I'm sure. Thanks guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure on that though. And like, so how we know, like for augmentation, for example, right? Let's say that my augmentation, let's talk about a class, for example, I'm a tank and then I'm a tank. We know that that is going to augment those tank skills, uh, in a more superior fashion, like more in depth because the tank skills are what's really going to shine as opposed to if I, <coughs> excuse me. I cross my tank with cleric paladin, right? Then you get this cleric augment to the tank and then you get that like cleric flavor that creates that kind of paladin feel. And then that's interesting. That's unique. But like, 
what I want to know is how is that augmentation going to work? Is it going to add any flavor to our skills? Like, so if it's a scholar's academy, for example, and it's universities, do I then get to like go into university and take a look at like my paladin skills and find a way to tune those into maybe, may I say a more light bringer way? BCG's probably gagging if he's hearing this right now. After our <laughs> probably, test, yeah. after our task <laughs> last week, he's like, oh no, please no more of these paladin bullshit, light bringer <laughs> bullshit. He's, you know, and I'm like, sorry, homie, you will bathe in the light or I will, never mind, righteousness, whatever. But my, my thing, we had a big spiel over the weekend when he was in the game. It was fun times. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we were like, you know, my thing is like, am I going to be able to like maybe make it to where, let's say a paladin skill, let's say it's a, uh, you know, something in the form of like a judgment where I throw something at him. Like, uh, I believe that one of the tanks is like a harpoon, right? Right. Let's say that the augment to that tank ability turns it into shooting like a, a light javelin. Let's erase that. ESO really jacked that up. Please no javelin. Let's make it, we'll say a sword or a spear. Nope, spear's too much like a javelin. We'll go with hammer. Fuck, hammer sounds tasty. Hammer. We'll go with a hammer of light. Then could I augment that and get a little more of like, well, I've researched this at a university because I'm tied into the Scholar Academy and maybe I can make this something cool. Like maybe I can bathe it in light or I can uh, give it a cool effect that where it sings uh, because I've enhanced the uh, light nature to it. Or perhaps maybe I want to make it have more of a dark augmentation so I can give it like a corrupted appearance like make it to you know to where these like augmentations are meaningful or are we can even take a shift away from that maybe it's like our you know being able to arrange or being able to detect footprints and maybe somehow you know allowing that trail that you see to somehow light up differently because i've researched my uh you know foot finding or tracking or whatever we want to call it ability to like really show some cool effect to it that's cool um anything they can do to make it more than just this skill line like an ESO that somehow ends up becoming useless later. If we're going to augment it, let's augment it in a meaningful way, I think. But what are some of your thoughts about augmentations and how they could maybe you know use them in an interesting fashion? I mean, again, it is like we had a bunch of conversations earlier on, like mm -hmm. how they can make the game fun. Right. And, right. and to me, it's all about relevance. Um, and it's all about choices mattering. And to me, I mean, one of the things that I really like that Steven talked about is that there, I mean, not all paths are equal, yeah. especially with social orgs. You need to do research. You need to understand based on what your archetype is, what's going to be your best path. And I like that because it, it gives purpose right. to what I'm doing, right? Outside of the grind, right? I don't, I'm not talking about, you know, okay, well, I know if I am a tank, I need to grind the Scholars Academy, what have you, right? Um, but I do like the idea of there being different and multiple different choices, right? And making each of those paths kind of maybe accentuate a strength or mm -hmm. mitigate a weakness in some way, right? Not game-breaking way, but in some way gives you a way to make your character unique, right? It might be cosmetic. It might be that maybe um, 
you know, a paladin that is, you know, has a little more slant towards, um, I don't know, an AOE versus a single target type of focus, right? In, in terms of like some ability, like you said, right? It might be, I might throw a hammer, that hammer might have different effects. It might also have different status effects, right? It might stun somebody, right, for a couple of seconds, or it might put a damage over time on them. Again, nothing game-breaking, but if you've got a concept you want to go with, a certain build, you've got paths to not only make those choices in your main class, in your adventuring class, but also in what you're doing, um, you know, you know what, what you can do to kind of build on whatever play style you have, right? You want to be a dot player. You want to be kind of a direct damage player. You want to have a player that, you know, is a little more focused on control. If you're, again, if you're a tank, you want to control the battlefield a little mm-hmm. bit more, right? You might have those options there. So those would be interesting choices, right? Again, not anything game-breaking. It's anything that we can maybe say, okay, here's that one little tweak further that might get me to a play style that I enjoy doing. I think the other thing that'd be important to do, and again, this might not be appropriate for all of the different uh, social orgs, but if you're, you know, wanting in addition to your adventuring class, you want to have some sort of benefit as a crafter, right? There might be things you might only be able to access if you have an affiliation with the Traders Academy. It might be, you know, blueprints. It might be, you know, uh, you know, special materials, those types of things. Again, it gives you some reward because you've invested your time in progressing that, right? And again, outside of just a grind, right? I don't, I don't want it to turn into the World of Warcraft. Okay, I need to kill X amount of these guys to grind my rep up to be able to get something. It's, I'm spending time doing quests, interesting tasks, etc., and organically, I'm gaining rep, and then through that rep, I might get a perk, right? That's kind of how I feel like, you know, those types of augmentations, those type of rewards really make it worthwhile to work on a rep. And and I want it to be a thoughtful choice. So I think the developers are going down that path, right? Obviously mm-hmm. it all comes down to execution, but I think what they're envisioning is interesting to me. It makes me want to know more about what these organizations will end up doing right and I, i'm hoping that it's it's i don't want to say grind free because at some level you're still going to need to do things in order to get rewards i don't want everything to be handed to me as a player that would just make it exceedingly boring um but i do want there to be kind of some meaningful rewards um other than um what i've seen in other mmos where it it's very simple rewards mm-hmm. and it's very easy to kind of get to those upper tiers, right? I want right. there to be investment. I want there to be meaning, right? I want the choices to be meaningful that I'm making in the game. So that way I think about them and I also feel accomplished once I do achieve those levels, right? And it's mm-hmm. not to your point. I'm not just, you know, the Duke of cool and that's it. Right. right? You know, <clears throat> so they talked about, and this is this is where I'm noticing that the the word node gets tied into this the more and more that we've really researched and like looked at it, whether the organization or whether the organization is the patron of their node, meaning 
it contributes the most amount of work to the node from its members a player's progression within that organization so he's uh steven had this there's a statement on here and this is interesting to me because it talks a little bit about augmentation a bit and also something else so if you're a part of a town that hasn't been developed uh and Sorry, if you are part of a town that has been developed and the Scholars Academy has the most amount of work from the players, that becomes a patron organization of the city, so it will grant certain benefits and services to players that they can participate in. That can relate to their position within the Scholars Academy. Augments are a huge thing that uh, these different societies will offer. They're not going to be a lot of augments in the society's progression. They'll probably be like three or four per that exist per organization. So you'll have to really investigate and study which organization is most beneficial for the path you've chosen with your archetype or whatever role you wish to have in the world. And that was the part that got me. The mm -hmm. role in the world and most importantly, theory crafting is what I hear. Like this can impact the flavor of your build. And that to me is going, okay, the choice in what organization I'm tying into as a theory crafter is going to be vitally important. I'm going to want to know exactly what I'm going to get. I want to know how it's going to benefit me. Is it going to uh, allow me to min-max the most efficiently? We know that we've also got stuff like, you know, appearances, cosmetics, housing, furniture items, stuff like that. That's cool. So that's another perk. So if someone's in-game isn't perhaps mine, just theory crafting the most unique, you know, tasty build that I can. It's, you know, all my own, you know, uh, something exclusive to the Crusade, for example, the Lightbringer, then you know, that's going to be my thing. But if someone's end game is housing, that's going to play a completely different, uh, completely different spin on what they might choose. Because maybe the thing they're going for is a more race themed oriented thing. Maybe they want more of a thief oriented type of like environment to their, to their homes or their homestead or whatever that might completely alter like what they go for. Right. So I might go for something that, you know, helps me to min max and have this flavor I want with my skills, whereas someone else might be, well, I'm not going to go there because this is what I'm after or housing item, uh, my outfit, my wardrobe. Um, but the thing that's really cool, social organizations have a role in artisan progression. So for a crafter, providing tools to improve gathering, such as special lures for fishing, providing blueprints for processing infrastructure, players may build on freeholds. Providing mount certificates for breeding for people to do animal husbandry. So who knows where that's going to come from? I highly doubt that you're going to get all the all of, you know, artisan stuff in just one place. But then you've also got the other spin, which is the uh, I'm going to have a hell of a time finding it. But I know it's on here somewhere. There it is. Share markets as nodes develop. Here we go with nodes again, right? Mm -hmm. As nodes develop, player governments may open a stock exchange exchange right so that's part of it um and we know that's gonna tie in so the other one thing was this one right here social organizations organizations may relate to which bosses might need to be killed first and may affect building progression of a node so i'm hearing social structures are going to play a very vital role in how a node develops and one really cool thing about that it's it's also what I kept thinking about as you were some of the examples. What it's also another catalyst in terms of the meaningful conflict pillar, right? Yes. That they've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Because if you've got a sect of players that want, you know, their social org to be the yes. top dog, right? right? 
they're going to go for it. But then if you have another, I would say, of equal power and or population that wants their org, you're going to create conflict. And you're, and I'm hoping, right, based on what they've talked about in terms of the narrative progression and, you know, the kind of back and forth between social orgs, is you're going to have at some point, even within the node, there's a potential for um, essentially some some social org on social org act, right? Where they're going to be fighting each other within the node and, and potentially mm-hmm. as a leader, that leader might need to figure out how to pacify that or right. manipulate that to his favor to the benefit of the node. So to me, that opens up a lot more in the metagame too, in addition to what you just said, right? Is you've got right. all these different, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, some of the more desired augments, the desired blueprints, et cetera, are going to mean you're going to need to progress that social org relatively far. And what is it going to take? Is it going to take, you know, politics, some sort of diplomacy? Is it going to take all out war? I mean, it. that's where, to me, the fun is really going to happen because you're going to want to keep your ear to the ground, not only for yourself as a player, kind of if you're doing that min-max thing, but yeah. also for the you know greater good of the node, right? Which would probably be more along the lines of the people that are trying to keep the node successful. Right. Mm-hmm. And we know that like the traders company clearly is going to be, you know, your, your stock exchange sort of, I would say probably, mm-hmm. probably your right. stock exchange, uh, then you got there's like elements of espionage, sabotage, and intrigues. So I'm really curious about how sabotage, especially, is going to work out. Espionage and intrigue. I'm not sure what they mean exactly by intrigue. Um, I feel like maybe that could be sort of a magic based thing, maybe from scholars. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know, man. It just it's it's vague at this point. Can't dig too much more into any of these specific things, unfortunately, because. We just don't have any of the information, but, um, you know, to me, when I look at all this, it just, it allows for so much more immersion. And I actually have a, I got to ask you, this This is a complete step away from our conversation. And it just came to my mind because I was talking to one of my guild mates and they were saying, I don't know how I feel about the seasons and the seasons are going to change. What is it? Is I think it's like a season a week. If that is that, is that right? I want to say so. It's I mean it is it is kind of enough time where you know you'll have some some time to react to it, but not necessarily too long. Or is it wasn't it one season a month? Man, I hope so. I'm looking. I'm looking right now. And and so my question for for you and for everyone else watching, and I know this is a complete sidestep, but I really want to know your thoughts on this. How much time is too little or too much for a season in Ashes of Creation? I'm going to tell you my perspective. I would love it if the seasons were real time with our world, because that would be cool to me. It would really kind of like, I feel like for me, at least it would really add to that immersion. And then also, I think if you have holiday events going on, like how weird would that be if there's like some kind of a Halloween event in game and then you've got like summertime right now or something like because the way it rotates or whatever, or just be weird. Yeah, yeah. Or or if you have like uh, some sort of spring festival and it's snowing out. Yeah, like yeah, exactly, exactly my point. Um, 
but that's that's one thing I'm curious what people think. And I'm looking right now because I'm really if anyone out there knows the information because I am not seeing it currently. I just know, you know, they're talking winter dragons, all that stuff. It's a complete sidestep, but I really want to know, and I'm not seeing it still. I mean, I would, I think I would agree with you there that I would like to see them in real time. Me too. I, but also, I would like some dynamic random events like as you know right. nodes progress you might have like you know they talked about the kind of the famous examples the winter dragon right. so i wouldn't mind seeing like you know something that happens that's outside of that but it's more you know like an event versus this is kind of the day in day out um yeah i think honestly i think that would that would be the most immersive i would agree with you there mm -hmm. yeah i think one thing that'd be really cool too is if like they talked about how like you know down where the the underrealm area like you might have some tunnels that flood because there's rain too much yeah i think right. things like that that's awesome that's like rockstar status to me for an mmorpg they do stuff like that and and for me the reason i feel like i would want it to be like it is in our world is if it's cold outside and i come in and i get in the game and it looks cold it feels more immersive to me. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, but I'm also the guy that likes to like turn all the lights off and have candles going and go through a dungeon. Like I'm freaking, like it's candle lit in the dungeon. <laughs> like I did that in the old scrolls so much, man. It was ridiculous. It was really ridiculous, but, um, that was a complete sidestep back on track. Um, so my, my thoughts are like, let's just face value. We know that there's gotta be a lot more research that goes into looking at these, these social systems, right? Like at these guild, uh, scholars Academy or, or even the the trading kind of one with the, uh, the trader company. And so my question for you is just at face value, if you had to go thematically with which organization really speaks to you and your play style, if you had to say, assuming if you had to assume you knew what a scholars Academy is probably going to be like at these guild or a traders kind of company, which one do you feel like kind of speaks more to you as a, an individual what would you likely choose i mean right now since we only know of three i don't know if there's more planned um but i would say definitely the scholars academy feels like the most appealing i just like the idea of lore and magic and kind of research and i think that would be kind of a really kind of interesting thing i mean i think that speak to some some of the types of characters that I do want to play is it's going to be kind of hybrids, magic users, and kind of melee, for example. Bards, I think you're going to have, you know, you might have that um, ability to kind of more, you have those kind of musical things in the Scholars mm -hmm. Academy. And then I would say it's maybe kind of a relatively close second. I'd probably go with Trader's Company. Um I'd be interested to see how the Thieves Guild shakes out, but yeah. but definitely my top is going to be Scholars Academy with maybe kind of a close second being the Traitor's Company. Yeah, so I think that if, assuming, like, hypothetically, if a paladin, you know, we already knew we could build whatever weapon, right? So hypothetically, if I could be, like, I could throw on a two-handed sword and, you know, go for some sort of, like, a rep pally build, versus like my mace and shield which is usually my my style for like you know more of a defender type paladin uh you know like you see as a tank or even as like a holy paladin in wow for example mm -hmm. like i could see going scholars but i'm gonna tell you if i can make it dirty and be a light bringer still i might go thieves 
I might go thieves. Hmm. I might, because if there's some element of flavor to augmentation that can allow me to be a little sneaky somehow, and I don't know how that would work it, but it would be interesting to have a little bit of that sneakiness or maybe add a little bit of filth to a skill when I'm rocking a two-hander. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, you know, something. It would be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm kind of like a merc kind of feel Murky, to your paladin. Exactly. Yeah, I, get it. I get it. Yeah, like I'm a blade for hire. I've straight off the path or whatever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I, like, I, I think, you know, everything that I've seen in, in terms of Steven's approach, he uh-huh. is like that tabletop RPG gamer. He likes having variety and options. I mean, yeah. If they can make it work, I, I think they will. They will do that because they. Right. I really feel like they're very interested in building a world more so than any other MMO I've seen. Right. And again, if they, like I said at the beginning of the cast, right? If they get their pipeline right, you know, they can definitely, you know, have content, you know, for millennia, right? And yeah. they can build and branch off of that. It's just, just get that foundation right. There's a lot they can do here, uh, right. so I'm, 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 I think we're all gunning for. It. But yeah, that would be. Mm-hmm. It's, if anyone can pull it off, it's these guys. They definitely have the, the passion to to create something dynamic. I agree, man. So my final question before we round things up here, and get into a closing is, if and I always have this question that's famous on the Simcast is, you know, if you had a you had something you wanted the devs to know if you wanted to tell them something you know that could make a difference as far as you know social systems uh about these you know to make them unique what what do you think is the thing you'd ask them to do not do or you'd like to see i mean i'm beating a dead horse here i mean i think just making the choices right and one of the things i loved about some of the best RPGs I've ever played is choices mattered, right? You know, just looking back, you know, Mass Effect series, um, you know, comes to mind is where kind of choices really mattered, right? Yeah. I, I want that to be the case. And I I like the idea of having some control over my destiny. So I'm hoping that the social orgs as ingrained as they are in the node. I really see what that influence is like, not only for me personally, but in the world around me. So that would be, I mean, my, I think they're already going there, but that would be my task. That would be my ideal state for social orgs is, is that make those choices really matter, make those choices visible, um, you know, give me some identity that I can either, you know, fight for if I need to, or be proud of if I achieve, you know, whatever level within the organization makes sense. Right. It's just kind of giving me that sense of accomplishment, that sense of identity. And I think you'll, you'll definitely get people hooked and, and continuing to kind of feed into that um, community that the game is, is looking to create. I agree. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with everything you said. I feel like that's all important. The word meaningful just resonates. And in, in, in truest form and, you know, adhering to the word meaningful, I think that my thing is if you're going to augment any skills we've got coming into any social system, 
and you're going to allow us to augment, stay true to the meaningful word, be innovative, allow that augmentation to be meaningful. So it allows for a wider array of theory craft ability. That's mm -hmm. my, that's my take. If, if we're going to have things that are going to augment in different formats within the game in different domains, if you will, please, 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 please allow the augmentation to truly change things. Some truly allow more variety and flavor, allow that change to be meaningful with, with abilities in any, in any capacity. That's my, that's my, my, my one thing I think is I really want to see that because I want theory crafting to be great again. I want, I don't want people bottleneck. That's probably the thing I come to uh, 80% of the time next to story is that. Um, with that being said, Daedalus, thanks so much for uh, being here on the SimCast. Always a pleasure to have you on. Would you uh, let everyone know your domains and where you reign and how they can find you out there? Well, it was great to be on the SimCast once again. Uh, Sim, I appreciate it. Um, you can find me on the internet uh, at ashenherald.com. I'm also on YouTube. That's my primary mode of content creation. So you can just uh, search for the Ashen Herald. Um, also on Twitter at at the Ashen Herald. Outstanding. And everybody, usually I don't say a whole lot. I want to do make a few. I want to make a few statements here. First of all, I've been working really hard to grow on Twitch lately. Um, I'm, I'm really going to be making a push in the near future with uh, Ashes having more, uh, you know, consistent server uptime. Um, to all of you who have been hanging out and joining the crusade, uh, hats off to you. It means so much to me. I just want to tell you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, aside from that, it, my main domain is Twitch. Uh, so I know a lot of people follow on YouTube and maybe don't do the Twitch thing. If you've got a Twitch at all, please consider jumping over, tossing a follow, hang out in the crusade chat while we're out there running around, running our mini crusades in the ashes of creation universe. Uh, many more to come. Uh, also, I want to say thanks to everybody who have been following. This past year has been a bit of a milestone. I went from having around a hundred-ish, uh, you know, people on YouTube that really I didn't even use. I mainly just streamed on Twitch, um, and I've really bumped it up. And we're pushing fifteen hundred or more right now on the YouTube, and that's all within the year, primarily with Simcast. But lately, it's been growing exponentially. So my shout-outs to all of you. Thanks for your subs. If you don't already sub to the channel, please consider subbing, liking the videos. Uh, especially this video, check out Daedalus. And uh, if you want to support the Crusade or all my content, there's a Patreon link and an Ashes referral link down below. You're more than welcome to. Um, no expectations, mostly and mainly thank you for your time. And until next week, I'll catch you on stream, everyone. Have a great week.